This is the Lacrosse Classified Podcast on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. Your go-to source for all things NLL and indoor lacrosse. Each week, we'll cover the hottest storylines and talk to the biggest names in the sport. Now, let's talk some lacrosse. All right, lacrosse fans, settle down, take your seats. Pay attention, eyes up front. It's time for Lax Class. Thanks for joining us here on the Lacrosse All-Stars Podcast Network, where we grow the game one podcast at a time. It's Jake Elliott. It's Evan Schemenauer back with you once again here on a Tuesday. Thanks for joining us. And a big show on deck this week, a special episode of Lacrosse Classified, I would say. Evan, uh, we're going to go off the board here a little bit, something we have never done on Lacrosse Classified, and that's talk to a professional women's lacrosse player. We will have on none other than Pure Vital Labs sponsored athlete, one of the best female players on the planet from Stony Brook University, Kylie O'Miller will be on the program coming up in mere minutes. And then we will head to the East and check in on Ontario Junior Lacrosse, Ontario Senior A Lacrosse. What's going on with the brawls back East with Pac Gregoire? Maybe a little NLL entry draft talk as well with lacrosse superstar Pac Gregoire. That's all coming up here on Lacrosse Classified. And of course, we always start the show off with Stampede Tax Weekly Lax Class Report Cards as I welcome back my partner, Evan Schemenauer. Evan, oh man, um, report cards here right off the top. Before we get to them, I got to let you know here that Stampede Tech and Western Wear, they're more than just a boot store. They carry a wide range of hats as well. They keep you protected from the sun, the rain, the snow, the wind, you name it, camping, fishing, hiking, anything you do outdoors, Stampede Tech and Western Wear has a hat for you. Find them online at stampede.ca, where shopping online is still shopping local out there in Cloverdale. Evan, our report cards, like I, I start to get going on it. Uh, how you doing, by the way, before we get into things? Well, I'm excited for this one. You know, to be honest with you, I need to know more about the women's game. I've never watched enough of it to fully comprehend it. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's a game that I appreciate the fact because you don't have the slashing, you don't have the cross-checking. It's a game of speed and finesse. And it, it's still a fabulous thing. And I'll be honest with you, I... A couple of years ago when I was helping a First Nation set up, they actually ordered some women's sticks. Have you ever tried throwing with a women's stick? Well, I, I've, used, is, I've used Kurt Malowski's before, and, and it's pretty much the same thing. He doesn't have well, a pocket me, in his stick is what I'm saying, Evan. Uh, yeah, I understand that. But what it is <laughs> is that your, 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 your reaction and your yeah. and your cra- you got to cradle that soft thing hands. almost instantaneously. Got to have the difficult. soft hands. Got to have the soft hands when you're playing with a female stick. Yes, no question about it. Uh, yeah, and you're right. Like, I, I don't know a ton about women's lacrosse either. That's something that I think um, a lot of people are probably in that boat. As box and field are almost completely different games, Evan, you, the female game, the women's game, is almost a completely different sport than than what you see for the men's uh, field game as well. There's like so many different rules and and strategies and tactics and all the rest of it. Um, so it, it's gonna be it's gonna be a learning experience, I think, for for both of us as we'll talk to Kylie. And, and I can't honestly, I can't think of a better female to to speak with about it. Like she's literally the best of the best. She is the 
John Grant Jr. or the John Tavares of, of women's lacrosse? Oh, no question about it. And, you know, I look at even box lacrosse as it's growing here in Saskatchewan. In Saskatoon, most of the teams, even in the house league, so this is the, 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 the elite league in novice, had two or three female players on it in Regina. They actually went to a bigger step where there was one all-female team. I saw that. They played against the boys, and they actually held their own. They actually won a fair number of games. I saw that. That was a great little piece there on, on Global. Uh, I think it was Duffy that did it. That was that was really cool to see, and uh, I shared that on my Facebook if you want to check that out. Um, what else is going on? How's the weather there in Saskatchewan? I was having a pretty good day here today, Evan. Uh, until I came home, I opened up a piece of mail. Uh <laughs> That kind of caught my attention. That kind of threw me off a little bit, but I'm trying not to let that affect me. I, I accomplished my weight loss goal once again uh, for this week. I'm, I'm proud to say here, Evan, I've reached 65 pounds in the last uh, seven months and a bit, and, and we're still going strong. So uh, I'm looking at wow, it like a positive. Yeah, thanks, man. <laughs> I, I, I just wanted to – I think most people know by now I've been on a, a bit of a weight loss kick here, and and it, it took people a little while to actually start to notice <laughs> because let's not kid ourselves. I'm still north of, of the 300 mark here, so um, – it's not like I've I've shrunk into a small human being or anything, but I think by now people are starting to notice a little bit. And no, uh, you can see it in your face. Yeah, you can I, definitely see it in your face. Yeah. Well, I'm uh, I'm pretty proud of myself about it. So it's it's one of the hardest things I've ever ever done in my life. And uh, I just you know I'm I've had a I got a really bad bill in the mail today, so I'm trying to shake that off and look at the positive, and and uh, I'm using my weight loss to do that here. Yeah. No, it was a it was a good weekend. Here, Vasily had his ninth birthday, and of course, what does he want? He wants another lacrosse stick. But I got him something slightly different. What he has, and it was—I I felt a little bad at his birthday party because all these kids had given him all these presents, and he opens up his lacrosse stick, and he literally ignored almost every That's other. That's the only present. thing he wanted to use. Yeah, what'd you get him? What kind of setup did you get him? Uh, drinking with a, a mid—you uh, know—a mid-high pocket because he was having a little more difficulty getting the ball out of his other stick. So. Hopefully this helps solve his, uh, you know, a little bit of a shooting error he's got. Sure, you need to get uh, get Shatler, get Jeff Shatler. He's kicking around Saskatoon there. Just uh, give him a shout and get a private lesson going for for Vasily. Oh, I know he would love that to death. <laughs> I mean, I remember he was last year. He was at the was the World Juniors there in Saskatoon, and they had him be a ball boy. And literally, he was out there during warmups playing with all the other players rather than actually stopping the balls from going across. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I love watching that sort of stuff. All right, Evan, uh, a little lightheartedness before we get into some heavy stuff here. It <sighs> Report cards are in, and and what I was about to say before we kind of got off the rails there a little bit is that our F literally changed about four times in 24 hours. No, it did. Like I remember we, you were texting me saying, oh, here's what the F's going to be on, like, you you got to check group chat. Because literally the video had shown up five minutes earlier. And then we kind of knew what it would be. And it's like, it's like, okay, it's Saturday. Hopefully nothing happens Sunday. That's why I was kind of reluctant to say, because everybody's on the, you know, saying, Lax class, this is your F. I'm like, 
just wait. We still got one more day. Hopefully nothing <laughs> worse happens. Yeah, and unfortunately it did um, and in more ways than one. And I, I, like, I, just, I don't think we have enough letter grades to give out this week. And I don't know exactly which ones you want to choose here. I guess we can just kind of well, talk about it. Well, we got a few honorable mentions, I think, too, on the back end, yeah. unfortunately. And yeah. we got a few honorable mentions on the other end. So. We did. Um, why don't we start with A? Let's start with some positive, and, and we'll go back to – Last Thursday, big matchup between the Burnaby Lakers and the new Westminster Sandbelly. Season series was on the line and really kind of put the winning team in the driver's seat as far as making the playoffs go. They kind of make it so they control their own destiny. New West, we'll, we'll discuss, still actually does control their own destiny, but Burnaby in the driver's seat here. They win that game, what was it, Evan? 11-7, to I believe, was the final. 11-9, maybe. But Robert Church in on every single Burnaby Laker goal, six goals, five assists, eleven points. Um, as he literally put his Lakers on the on his own back and, and willed them to victory in Queens Park. And things is maybe a little more surprising. I mean, nobody's surprised that Robert Church has a huge game, right? But this season, he actually didn't have the greatest of seasons. He got his wrist banged up early in the year. Never really a hundred percent recovered from it. So to go eleven for eleven. <laughs> that's quite the accomplishment in any game. Yeah, that's that's super impressive stuff. So he gets the A. I'd want to give an honorable mention. I can't remember the kid's name. Uh, out of Junior C lacrosse, I think it was the Bombers, the Junior C, was it the Bombers? Scored the goal with his helmet. Did you see this? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a bit of a fluke bounce because you can't intentionally put it in with your head, right? But it's a, it's a fluke bounce off the goaltender, off the head, and in. Yeah, so uh, it's still pretty cool video. Uh, my man Diamond Jim Lowe posted that up. Uh, pretty cool to see. Uh, you don't something you don't normally see every day. So I, I kind of wanted to throw that one in there. Where do you want to well, go with another honorable mention? I think too. Well, before I talk about this in the closing, but just how tight the WLA remains. Yeah, no, we will definitely be talking about that. So let's let's save that because you literally have like a algebra math equation that you're going to relay out here as far as all the different scenarios on who can make it and who can't. Uh, where do you want to go with B? I got down NLL award winners. Yeah, I, I, most years I've got major problems with this, and I don't know why they continue to have the GMs vote on it instead of the media. Most sports have the media vote on it, so there's a bit of independence with the awards. Um, other than one, now it would have been an A had it not been for Defensive Player of the Year. Um, in our Lax Flash Awards, all 10 contributors had Kyle Rubish number one, so it was a little surprising to see that one. But for the most part, the rest of them, they got it perfectly right, and that's very rare these days. Yeah, absolutely. I, I can't, you can't argue with two. I mean, even even Hasek winning. Like I know a lot of people wanted Priello to win, and a lot of people wanted Rubish to win, and I'm sure a lot of people wanted Hasek to win too. And I just, you know, it's hard to argue against a guy like Graham Hasek, who is such a dominant defender. So I think uh, everything pretty bang on. And obviously, a special shout out goes to our man uh, Tyson Gick there, who. Took home his very first Tom Borelli Award. Uh, couldn't be happier for Tyson and the lacrosse flash and all the work that he did all season long. And I think, you know, obviously uh, all these awards mean something. But to us, the Borelli Award is kind of our uh, NLL Cup, if you will. And and we're so happy to see Tyson win. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he was our pick as well. You know, we had some fun with a video, you with your Motorola Razor. I don't know what happened there, man. I'm putting that one on Austin. Uh, me and, and the Chancellor there, we, our videos came out looking funky. I don't know what happened, but anyways. But, I mean, Jim Els with his picture, oh, I mean, can you get that out of your head? I don't think I ever can. That was that was pretty epic. Tarps off for Tyson. By the way, did you see, did you see uh, Gick's latest post with the, the Instagram cliff jump? Somebody's filming Tyson from below. Tyson's actually selfieing himself jumping off a cliff, and and of course he's jumping into water. So you got to have your shirt off when you do that, right? Well, I mean, considering he, you know he lost a pretty nice gig last year, but he's got this gig where literally he films himself having fun on Vancouver <laughs> Island. <Yeah>. Rough gig. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty sweet, pretty sweet deal, and he gets a free car to drive around, all sorts of stuff. He's doing well, man. He's doing well, and and he works hard for it, so he can't uh, can't take anything away from the guy. Um, see, we're going to move on here in weekly report cards and. Again, C, I, I'd like to give this like a C plus because I think it deserves it. And, and I know minor provincials are happening around the province of BC and in Saskatchewan, Alberta, you name it. They're going on right now. Uh, shout out to the Coquitlam Adnac Bantam A1 team. Uh, led by my friends there at Extreme Threads, uh, Sean Ashworth at Associated Labels and Packaging has a son on that team as well. Uh, my old junior teammate Shane Budnick and Bruce Murray have kids on that team, and they did it. They won the provincials. So I got to give a shout out to the A1 Bantam boys for taking it down over there in Victoria over the weekend. But the C or the C plus here, Evan, goes out to all the volunteers at provincials and. Without them, the provincials, they just, they don't happen. And it's the parents of the kids and, and even just people in the community that come together to score keep or whatever the case is to run 50-50 to all the volunteers out there that are they're doing the job for the provincials and the kids out there all summer long. Um, I wish I could give you a higher letter grade, but I just, I want to recognize you guys because... Without them, it doesn't happen, Evan. They they are literally the backbone of, of lacrosse. And let's not forget the countless number of hours the coaches put in molding the young men and women of the future. Good point. Good point. Um, we're going to move on to letter grade D here. We originally had down the Rocky Mountain Lacrosse League playoff schedule and just kind of the way it was orchestrated or – I don't, what's the word I'm looking for, Evan? Yeah, just to get over this one quickly, and what it was is that uh, Saskatchewan was playing uh, Oak Tokes, and for those that don't know, if you drove this thing straight without a single break, it takes about seven hours to get between the cities. Had this game series gone to Game 5, they would have literally left Saskatoon Sunday morning. They, would play, they played Friday and Saturday. They would have left Saskatoon Sunday morning to drive seven hours to play game five Sunday night. Yeah. A little ridiculous. I guess that's that's the world that they're living in. It didn't happen that way, as it once again will be the Mounties versus the Raiders in the Alberta final. To see who comes to BC for the Minto Cup, uh, we'll, we'll make our selections coming up here, Evan, uh, a little later on in the program. But the D, I guess, goes out to the, well, the new Westminster Senior Sandbellies uh, got themselves in a little hot water. Not the first time a lacrosse team has ever been in trouble uh, on the ferries, Evan, and uh, 
hey, listen, I might have even been in a little trouble myself back in my playing days uh, 20 years ago. And, and I guess maybe that's the point, Evan, that it's not 20 years ago anymore. And got to be a little smarter, I suppose. And uh, I think the fish there picked up a, a bit of a fine and, and got themselves in a little hot water on the ferries over the weekend, from what I understand. Yeah, $1,000 fine from the league, uh, which by WLA standards is massive. Uh, you don't, you know, just keep the alcohol off the ferries. You got time to do it before and after. Uh, this was originally going to be our F until Saturday night rolled around. And well, we all know what happened. Yeah. So you get bumped up to the D bellies. Uh, just be a little smarter. It's 2019 now and, uh, things have changed. It's not, not 1998. Um, F obviously it's the, Senior B brawl that everybody has seen on social media over the last couple of days, Evan, involving the Six Nations Rivermen who were also involved in that referee hostage situation, I guess we'll call it, uh, where they would not let the official out of the parking lot, uh, did damage to his car. Same team uh, hooked up here with the Owen Sound North Stars in the Senior B playoffs, and... I'm not exactly sure what transpired. There's a number of videos from a number of different angles. It looks to me like some fights started on the floor and things escalated pretty quickly to the point where Six Nations emptied their bench. Owen Sound did not. Um, And that's kind of where things went sideways is that it looked to me like Owen Sound was very disinterested in even engaging with with the Rivermen in a brawl. And, you know, the coach was holding them back on the bench and, and Six Nations was trying to get at their bench to the point where a guy swung a stick uh, and almost hit a coach with it. More fights spill out onto the floor. Um, I don't even know if there's been any discipline handed down. I think they've actually played another game since then. But this is the second pretty serious offense with Six Nations being involved. This took this took place at Gaylord Palace Arena as well. And again, what what disappoints me, Evan, you know, this isn't the craziest thing I've ever seen as far as brawls and lacrosse go by any stretch of the imagination. But what's what's saddening to me is that not only in 2019 can we not get past being like that. But this is what mainstream media picks up. And this is the story that these outlets will run with about lacrosse and being a barbaric sport. And this is, you know, this is what happens in Canadian summer leagues. And I mean, it's such a small sample size of the tons of fantastic lacrosse that takes place across our country every summer. But this is what gets shown. This is what gets the attention. This is what the spotlight is shone on. And I'm just sick of it. I'm so sick of it. And I don't know why things like this keep happening. I I get it. Tempers flare. It's intense. You know, you're battling for a playoffs. But when you start using your stick as a weapon against a guy that's not even wearing any equipment, like, what what is going through your head to make you want to do something like that? Yeah, we saw a sucker punch, too, on another video today of one of the Six Nations coaches nailing one of the Owen Sound coaches. Uh, Steph Charbonneau put this 
perfectly in a tweet. He said, the key to this all really is that there's parents who are trying to figure out what activities to put their kids in. And this is the type of video they're going to see about lacrosse. And when they see this kind of video, it's kind of a, I'm going to pass. There's other sports to play. And that's where it's not good for the sport. There is such a thing as bad publicity. Let's be honest. Now, I'm not going to, con- I'm not going to condemn the entire Six Nations team. Okay? The incident out in the parking lot involved one player. It didn't involve the whole team, just one player. In this particular incident, when you look at enough videos, there are a handful of players that have jumped the bench to attack Owen Sound's bench. What caused it? We don't know. There's uh, There's been other posts uh, out there that something was said. That's entirely possible. So I'm not going to you know, say how it started because I honestly don't yeah, know. Yeah, and that's the tough and th- part. And there are, it. yeah, and there are coaches trying to pull their players out of there. There are Six Nations players trying to pull their players out of there. Now, if you look at the p- score sheet for this game, you're not going to see a whole lot of penalties. And the problem is, is that both officials are engaged in breaking up fights on the floor. They don't see this yeah. almost at all. They, they got one guy out of the whole thing. Um, so how the OLA is going to handle it, I don't know. But with the number of videos that there are of this, clearly something's got to be done. Um, you have to be disappointed, though, in a guy like Adam Bomberry, who, you know, he took what? He, he's, I think he's got two game misconducts and three majors in this incident. Yeah. And as an NLL player, you have to be thinking a little straighter than that. So I'm certain that his head coach is not exactly too pleased with what went on. But this is the type of nonsense that's got to get out of the game. If we're going to grow this to the extent that we are, and you look at it, what's the next growth market? It's the United States for box lacrosse. And when they see stuff like this, they shake their heads because nothing even remotely close happens like this in college lacrosse yeah i i I mean listen i've (laughs) i just got handed my penalty my career penalty stats on saturday night by stan shillington and and trust me i've i've been in my fair share of fights in lacrosse and including a bench clearing brawl and line brawls and all the rest of it uh and and again 20 20 years 25 years ago it's it's time for me like i'm still okay with a spontaneous scrap in the game, if it keeps sticks down or your goaltender gets oh, run absolutely. or something like that, I still think there's a place for it in the game. Uh, and, and no, I had no issue with the two fights no, on the floor. But when, no. but 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 when I start to see this sort of thing happen, I think to myself, is fighting still necessary, or could we live without it? If they abolished fighting in lacrosse, would the sport be better, worse, or just fine without it? I don't know. Like, you you look at international hockey, no fighting. They seem to do okay. The NHL still has fighting. And again, nobody's getting up and walking out of the arena when a fight breaks out. And, and I think that's something, you know, owners have to keep in mind. People like violence. They like to watch guys oh, no, punch each other in the face. They just do. But but what 
when this oh, Evan disappointing to me. Sorry. No, I, I'm just saying, like when guys go way across the line and you're talking bench clearing brawls and guys using their sticks as weapons. Do we really need fighting in the game anymore? I, When I see things like this, I think to myself, I don't know if we do. I really don't. No. And that's the thing that disappointed me was that you look at the reaction on social media and so many people out there saying this is needed. Part people of the game. To, part of the game. They have to back up their words. No. No. Like this, like there's... There's a system for that. If something, if, let's say it was to the extent of a racial taunt, it could be. I don't know. But if it was something that serious, there's ways for the league to discipline that individual. Right? Like, let's put it this way. We had a item that was handed to us, which was a racial taunt in a game in Victoria, a junior A game, at a First Nations player playing for the Shamrocks. Mm-hmm. That should be an F on most weeks, and we're not even bringing no. it up yeah. hardly at all because this blows it out of the water. Yeah. We can't have this if this game's going to grow. No, it just it makes I, me sad. I, I put it out there. What's wrong with the sport? Well, and some people were angry at me for putting it out there, but you know what? It's not. This is what's wrong. It's not 1985 anymore. Like, it's just not. Like, with what we know about concussions. You're playing on a concrete surface, and you're blasting your fist into another guy's face over what? And 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 like I mean, these guys, all these guys, pretty much are going to work the next day and have families. And again, I lived it for a decade in the WLA. I did it on a nightly basis almost, but it's not 1995 anymore, and it's just. Again, I I still I want to believe deep down in my heart there's still a place for a spontaneous scrap if if liberties are being taken or whatever the case is. But when you're talking about line brawls and bench brawls and using your stick as a weapon, I I'm so over it. And and for nothing else because that is what mainstream media picks up and that's what everybody sees when they hear the sport of lacrosse and they see that that is what they see not the beautiful skill and speed and strength that it takes to play the game the hand eye all the rest of it it's that that's what they see and they go why would i ever want to hell put my kid in that sport and that's the problem right there and we didn't even bring up the officials like can you imagine trying to step in the middle of that as a referee Forget it. I'm walking. I'm walking off the floor and getting in my car and going home. Figure it out. I'm, I'm stunned. They played the last five minutes of that game. I'm really. They've played another game since then, and there's not been any discipline handed down from what I understand, and that is just ludicrous. And think about it. A year ago, in senior B in Quebec, when there was that incident where the player grabbed the official and started feeding him, what did they do? They disqualified the team. Yeah. Game done. You're not going to the you're not going to the frenzy because this happened. Well, I don't know what they're waiting for. I don't know what they're waiting for. And again, there's two sides to all of it, and nobody's completely innocent in that in this. So, don't get it twisted when you're listening to this that I think it's all on one team. But clearly, Owen Sound was not ready to engage the way Six Nations was, and I don't know what was said and what was done to precipitate all that happening. But 
I, I whatever it was, it went way too far, and it's gotten way out of hand, and it's time to smarten up. It's time to smarten up and make the game better. You get an F, Six Nations Riverman. Evan, I need to relax and take a break here. Uh, on the other side, we are going to settle ourselves down and have a chat with PVL athlete, the best female player on the planet, Kylie O'Miller, will join us next year on Lacrosse Classified on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. Pure Vital Labs is proud to bring you the highest quality sports supplements on the market. PVL products are 100% all-natural with no artificial flavors, colors, or sweeteners. And the entire line is also Informed Choice certified. We designed all our products with the athlete in mind. We look forward to being a part of your athletic achievements, helping you push the bar higher, win at the highest levels, and set personal records for years to come. Hey, this is Pat Coyle, head coach and general manager of the Colorado Mammoth. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified on the LAX All-Stars Podcast Network. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Classified here on the LAX All-Stars Podcast Network. You just heard it right there from our friends at Pure Vita Labs. PVL.com is where you can find them at Pure Vita Labs. All natural, no flavor or no artificial flavors, colors, sweeteners, informed choice certified, best supplements on the products or on the market, and all the best lacrosse players on those supplements, including our next guest who is the best women's lacrosse player on the planet. Let's just say it, Evan. That's what she is. And she's sponsored by she Yeah, she's sponsored by Pure Vital Labs. We're happy to have her from Stony Brook University, the all time NC two A points leader in women's lacrosse kylie o miller is on the program kylie thanks so much for doing this hi guys thank you so much for having me oh it is our absolute pleasure this is the first time we've ever had a a professional women's player on our podcast we are predominantly a box lacrosse podcast but with you being a a pvl athlete and uh u19 girls uh, lacrosse coming up in peterborough we thought it was a good time to to bring you on and, and have a chat. Why don't we start with PVL, uh, Kylie? I know I, I saw you and, and the Beast, Trevor Baptiste, yesterday uh, out in the rain having a good time at the Brian, what is it, the All-American game. Uh, Trevor, also a PVL athlete. What, what's new with, with Pure Vital Labs? Uh, what's your favorite product uh, that you take with those guys? Yeah, uh, Trevor and myself, along with a couple other um, really awesome special athletes, uh, our Pure Vital Labs athletes, and they are really great. They kind of just um, supply us with all the things that we need to make sure we keep our bodies right for the season and, you know, all the travel that we do. So I think one of my favorites is uh, is their amino acids and uh, their BCAAs. I think that's something that I use on the daily just to keep my electrolytes high and my hydration high. So um, something that, especially through these hot summer days and lots of travel, um, that's probably my number one product from the Pure Vita team that I uh, um, that I use. Our listeners are used to the box across game. Some of them are going to be used to the men's field across game. But let's say in a very quick minute, for those not familiar with the women's game, tell us what the main differences are between the men's game and the women's game. Yeah, uh, main differences between the men's and women's game. Um, men wear padding. Uh, women do not. We wear just simple uh, protective goggles over our eyes and a mouthpiece. That's the only protective gear that field players wear. 
um, goalkeepers are a little bit different. They wear a couple um, different uh, pairs of padding, but yeah, our field players, we, we don't wear any padding. So that's a major difference. Um, there is differences in shot clock depending on the, on the level, um, whether it's youth or, uh, or professional or college, but, um, yeah, there's all sorts of different rules and most of them kind of pertain to how physical the game is. Um, but I think that no matter whether it's men's or women's, it's definitely the fastest game on two feet. So, um, I think it's super exciting to watch and, um, yeah, I think we might not shoot as, as fast as the guys, but we're definitely pretty quick out there. <laughs> has, has your shot ever been clocked, Kylie? Have you ever put a radar gun on your shot? I have, yeah. My shot's around, um, I think the highest was like 78. Oh, that's faster than Evan for sure. So you're you're good there. It definitely is. No, uh, it definitely is. Um, we're speaking with Kylie O'Miller here. Now, one thing, Kylie, when I watch women's lacrosse, that that drives me crazy. Now, up here in Canada, we're we're kind of, and I know your stick is an extension of your body. And I and I listened to a, a podcast with you and Paul Carcaterra um, that you did a while back, and and I really enjoyed the interview. And, and I almost kind of wish I didn't listen to it now because Paul asked so many great questions that makes me want to ask you those same questions, but. Back to my original <laughs> point here. One thing I watch when I when I watch women's lacrosse that drives me crazy, and I just don't get it. I really don't get this. Why do you guys drop your stick after you score a goal? Like the, we're kind of taught to respect that thing. You don't ever want to drop your stick in the game of box lacrosse. But I, I know it's a rule. Like you guys got to put it down and let the referee kind of check it. But could you not just hand it to him, or does he need to check it after every goal? What is the deal with dropping your stick on the ground? Yeah, uh, that's actually only a rule in uh, NCAA lacrosse. So it's only a rule in college. Um, and the reasoning behind that is because, uh, like you said, it is a rule. It's a rule that right after you score, you need to um, take your hands off your stick in any way possible because what used to happen was um, they made a rule that after each goal, the ref had to check the stringing and the pockets on the stick if it would be legal, um, but before handing the stick to the referees, girls would be pulling on the strings of their sticks, ultimately making their sticks back legal. So that's why they um, incorporated the rule a couple of years back where you had to immediately release the stick from your hands um, so that that uh, pulling of the strings could not happen any longer. Um, but, yeah, I, it's an interesting thing. But, yes, it's only a thing in... NCAA lacrosse. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, it doesn't happen in the professional league. And that, and that, I guess that's something you don't have to really worry about now, as you're are one of the women that have have gone to the women's warp. How has that been working for you? Yeah, it's been great. I mean, and that's one of the main reasons I I love working with it, and I love uh, the idea behind the whole warp product system. Is especially for for the women. You know, we we worry so much about our sticks being illegal because of that particular rule and because of how um common and popular stick checks are in the game um so i think that kind of you know playing with the warp really takes away that that worry that we have to play with um on the field so myself and players like marie and other players that are starting to play with the warp um really can kind of play without that that fear per se which is huge in being out on the field and being able to put your best product out there as a player not really having to worry about anything other than how you're playing. Going back in your career, you 
when you graduated high school, you weren't an overly sought after player at that point in time. You make the decision to stay home and play at Stony Brook, which was really an afterthought at that point in time. I believe you said they were ranked around 70th in the world or in the NCAA at that time. What made you want to go there? And I guess not only what is it that propelled you from being not that sought after to being the top player in the world in such a short time frame? Um, yeah, I think when I was in the recruiting process, I was, um, I wasn't sure exactly what I was looking for. Um, but when I did, um, receive interest from Joe Spelina and his staff at Stony Brook at the time, and when I did go onto campus and he got me in his office and he pretty much sat in front of me and painted all my dreams out in front of me, um, and pretty much said, Hey, you're, you're going to do this. Our program is going to be on the national stage. We're going to be a final four contender. We're going to be um, on the cover of magazines, team USA, sport and finalists, this, that, and the other thing. And he's saying all these things to a 15 year old girl with, you know, who just wants to play lacrosse and just loves the sport. So um, when someone um, of that caliber and a coach of that caliber kind of puts that belief in you and shows that he's got that kind of belief in my potential. Um, it was a no brainer for me. And I uh, am so grateful that, you know, that's what I chose to do is stick home and, and make, you know, help make a program, the program, what it is, you know, it's, it's now Long Island team and we got to do really special things with it during my time there. Um, and I think what, my class really wanted to do and the class above me, we really wanted to just kind of leave our, our mark on the program and leave our, our, uh, our legacy with Stony Brook and just kind of take them to the highest point that they could. And, and now what they get to do with that is just completely run with it. And it's all just a tribute to um, the people around us and, um, you know, coach Selena's vision and all the hard work that him and his staff put into developing players and, um, taking us from where we are, where we were when we were in high school to where we can say we are now. Um, and just, it's just a product of that, you know, showing what a little bit of belief from your coaching staff can do for a player. And, and literally everything that coach Spelina told you, like came true. You ended up on the cover of magazines, you're into the final four, you, uh, become the NC2A all-time leading scorer. You're you're Instagram famous. You got like twenty thousand followers on Instagram. So you're like you're literally one of the most popular lacrosse players on the planet. As we speak with Kylie O'Miller here, um, you make a living off of lacrosse now, Kylie, and part of that is is teaching young girls the game. What is what is the biggest message you you try and send to those girls when you have met camps? Yeah. Um... First off, super grateful that that's what I'm able to say that I can do with my career is that I am able to make a career out of lacrosse. And I think that's one of my messages to, to these girls that I get to meet is that if those are their dreams, you know, now they're possible. Um, when I was growing up, they might not have been possible to say that you could be a professional women's lacrosse player, but now it is. So um, I, my biggest message to those girls is just to you know, write down those goals and have something to aspire to and have something to work hard at every single day. And, um, you know, that no dream is really too big because anything can happen when you put the work and the time into it. Um, and I think just kind of like stepping outside your comfort zone and making yourself a little bit uncomfortable, um, doing things that seem hard and doing it over and over and over again to, um, 
you know, make them something that's routine and then, you know, going on to the next thing and just keep, keep it on climbing that ladder to, to, you know, the next step of greatness. And those are two messages that I really try to, um, portray to, to the next generation, to the young girls that I see at my KO7 team across camps and that I see at all these, these, um, across events across the country. Um, and it's really, really incredible to see how the passion for the sport is, is growing and, all these different areas. I have to ask you about the eye black. You take this to a whole different level where <laughs> about two thirds of your face is covered in this. Where did this, <laughs> what's the story behind this? Yeah. Um, it does get a little messy sometimes, but, um, I used to kind of just mess around with my sister. We played together in high school and in college, but in high school we would just kind of mess around with different eye black looks before games. And, um, I used to just have like the triangles on my face and color them in. And one of my friends in high school kind of was like, why don't you turn it into like, make it look like the Batman wings. So I kind of put a little, a little bit of my own flair onto it and um, adjusted it a little bit as I went and have been wearing it every, every game since. Um, and now it's pretty, pretty crazy that something that we were just kind of having a little fun with and adding our own little creative flair to our style of play um, in high school is, now something that I can call a brand logo. So uh, it's pretty crazy how how it comes full circle. Absolutely. As we speak with Kylie O'Miller here, um, you're you're with the fight, second year for the WPLL. We haven't even talked about that yet. Uh, how's things going with your flight and, and the league and the growth of, of women's lacrosse in general, Kylie? It just seems to be booming right now. And, and I know you're a big part of that, but the league as a whole and, and your team, how are things going this season? Yeah, it's been incredible. Um, and I think, you know, the opportunities that the league is, has giving, given all of us players over the last year of operations, which is crazy to say they're on there. We're only in our second year right now. Um, it's just amazing there. Um, you know, it's been great to be able to play for the fight for the second year in a row. We're three and oh heading into the playoffs right now, which is super exciting. We play on Friday at four 30. Um, so hopefully we can get a championship on our hands. That'd be pretty cool to add to the resume. Um, but yeah, I think just all of the opportunities that the WPL is giving us players to be able to do what we can with the sport, um, you know, bringing us to different events and, um, being able to kind of showcase what we do as female athletes on a national stage, on an international stage, being able to connect with all these young players and being able to show them, Again, like I said before that, you know, they can now strive to be women's professional cross players when they grow up and that we're going to do everything that we can to take this league to what the heights that it can reach and to eventually be able to say, you know, as lacrosse players, men's and women's, that we can be at the same uh, recognition as, you know, maybe the NFL and the MLB and, you know, things like that of that nature. So Absolutely. I think just kind of continuing to grow and continuing to um, take those leaps forward in whatever way we possibly can and uh, making those connections with the next generation and, um, you know, very, very grateful for everything that the WPLL is doing for that, those opportunities. And, of course, future expansion of the game, we're looking at the potential of the Olympics in 2028. It's got to be exciting for what the growth potential, especially for the women's game, can be with the sport in the Olympics. But also, it's got to be exciting for you to be able to wear the red, white, and blue at an Olympic Games. 
Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, uh, the thought about it, um, the, just kind of thinking about lacrosse being an Olympics and that being a possibility gives me chills in itself. Um, and just, you know, it's, it's always been, I've always been a big fan of the Olympics and, um, of course, a big USA, uh, supporter, no matter what the sport. So, um, just to be able to, uh, kind of be a part, a small part of that push. Uh, towards getting the sport into the Olympics and being hopeful that we can get into the 2028 Olympics as a sport uh, is is really exciting. No matter who's wearing USA across their chest um, in 2028, um, it'll just be really special to hopefully have the sport on that kind of stage because uh, it it most definitely deserves it. And that's a tribute to all the people that you know are doing it now and all the people that came before us who have pushed this sport to where it is now. Kylie, do you, do you know, like, I know they've kind of gone with a, a hybrid set of rules for the men's game. Do you know, will it will the women play the same thing, or will they just bring their game with their rules right into the Olympics as is? Um, we're in a kind of like a trial period right now, trying to figure out what the best set of rules would be okay. um, for the Olympic Committee um, and for just kind of lacrosse in, in the Olympics and what would be kind of acceptable to the Olympic committee. So we're kind of in a trial period, um, playing with, you know, smaller numbers, smaller fields, um, just trying to test out rules and those kinds of things. So, uh, it's in a trial period right now. Um, but we'll see. Yeah. It's a, it's a bit of a tough situation because you don't want to take away the integrity of the game and, and what it's come to be just to kind of bend over, if you will, to, to get it into the Olympics. You still want to – it still has to be lacrosse for it to get to that point. And, and I think a lot of people are kind of concerned that they're going to change the rules or, or the strategy of the game so much that it's going to be like a shadow of itself uh, when you see it played at, on the Olympic stage. So I, I kind of hope that doesn't happen. I want to see the sport get in, but I want to see the integrity of the game maintained. As uh, I'll ask you one more here, Kylie, is it's uh, it's a box lacrosse podcast. Uh, we told you that. Have you ever – I know you won the Tawaraton with the same year that the Thompson brothers did. You're over there on Long Island. The National Lacrosse League is getting a team back there in the New York Riptide. Reggie Thorpe, former – Syracuse female coach. Uh, have you ever picked up a box stick? Have you ever gone inside the boards and, and chucked it around? Um, no, I, I actually have not, and it's been on my on my list of things to try for a while now. Um, playing at Stony Brook, Coach Selena actually coaches a couple youth box teams with his sons. So um, and his daughter actually, they have a team. Awesome. Um, his daughter's team. So um, I've been wanting to get in there and kind of practice around with them and try it out. So hopefully that's on my list of things to do this winter. Uh, I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. The women's game is growing so much at the field level and, and up here in Canada at the box level as well. And uh, I'd really like to see the box game take off for the women down south as well. Kylie, I can't thank you enough. Uh, I know you're a very busy lady taking a little time here uh, to to come on Lacrosse Classified and talk some women's lacrosse. Best of luck uh, with the flight in the playoffs. Uh, go flight and hopefully you can get yourself another championship there. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Our pleasure. Uh, that was Kylie O'Miller. She is the best female lacrosse player on the planet, Evan, and makes a little time for us here on Locks Class. That was a really cool conversation. Oh, absolutely. And it gives a, our viewer, our listeners a whole other perspective that we really haven't had a chance to, to explore yet. But it's a, massive, it's a massive growth sport at the moment. 
a lot of female players, even we talked about this earlier, the box growth in Canada is tremendous. Uh, it's only going to continue. Yeah, I mean, and she she is literally like the face of women's lacrosse. Like young girls are looking up to her, and uh, they want to be like Kylie O'Miller, and why wouldn't you? She's an excellent role model and, and a fantastic player, and uh, that was great. Like I literally could have spent another half an hour asking her questions that I have racked in my brain about women's lacrosse and, and all sorts of stuff, but uh, we got to keep this thing on the rails here. Uh, we're going to take a break. Before we do, we forgot to mention after report cards, uh, our Stampede Tack and Western Wear Cowboy hat. We're giving away a hat this week, and it's going to go to our buddy Graham Perro, who sent us the tweet. I, I know it got shared in our group chat a little earlier. We're not going to give it to that guy. We're going to give it to Graham. Congratulations. You win the Cowboy hat, and uh, we'll get your information and send that off to you. Post-haste. Um, let's take a break, Evan. And when we come back, it's lacrosse superstar. Pat Gregoire is on the other side. You got it right here on Lacrosse Classified on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. Hey, this is Andrew Q of the Oakville Rock. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified here on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network, where you know by now, and if you don't, I'm going to tell you, we grow the game one podcast at a time. This is podcast number 37 of Lacrosse Classified, and this man has been on a couple of times. He is lacrosse superstar. His name is Pat Gregoire, and he joins us now here on Lax Class. Pat, thanks for coming back. Thanks for having me. It's uh, now that you say that thir- thirty-seven. That's 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 I, pretty awesome. I mean, it seems like it was just yesterday you guys uh, decided to fire this thing up, and you guys have done a great job. And I appreciate you having me on a few times. Well, you've been well. You, let's, yes. let's keep in mind though that he was actually on the highest-rated show in lacrosse classified history. Is that Pat true? Was one of our two guests. That is true. I have nothing Episode to do with that. Two. <laughs> Episode <laughs> two. <laughs> okay, well, we should maybe just have Pat on every single week then and uh, hope, <laughs> hope for the best. Uh, I know your your Ironheads uh, didn't make it as far as you were hoping, Pat. Uh, up to nothing against the sauce there and kind of let that slip away. But uh, give me your, a general synopsis on, on the season as a whole there for uh, your Ironheads. A pretty successful campaign, I must say. Yeah, you know what? It, it, it really was a, a very successful te- uh, season. The most success that we've had as a franchise, uh, you know, since we, you know, started things up in Markham when we were based out of Markham many years before I was even um, playing. So th- uh, overall, a very positive year. The most regular season um, wins. Uh, we won a, our just our second playoff game in franchise history. We won our first uh, playoff series against uh, a crosstown rival, a team that heading into the the playoffs they beat us, you know, thirty games straight. Um, so overall, the season was was you know uh, one to remember, not just for the group, for these guys, for the for the franchise, but for me as well. I, I told the guys at the end of the year that I'm being totally honest. As a player, as a coach, this season was probably one of the most uh, fun seasons that I've had, you know, around the game of lacrosse. Obviously, coming up short when we're up two, 
leaves a you know a sour taste in your mouth but at the end of the day these guys accomplished so much uh, and i'm so so proud of them because realistically everyone outside of the dressing room didn't think that we were even going to take a game off the gills. They had no idea what we were capable of. And I even think we kind of shocked ourselves a little bit too. Well, listen, Pat, uh, you can't, you can't get to the summit sometimes unless you, you get close to the top and, and don't make yep. it. So um, we've seen countless, countless stories in sports where teams get close, they don't get there. And then the next time they figure it out. Uh, one thing you did humbly leave off that list as far as things that you guys won this year, you and your coaching staff being named coaches of the year as well. So congratulations to you and and your coaching staff and your entire organization for a fantastic season there with the Ironheads as we speak with Pat Gregoire. But Pat, you're you're plugged in to Ontario lacrosse like no other and and Junior A lacrosse now down to a final four here. And how about the game just a night ago between the Chiefs and the Athletics? I can't remember the last, never mind the score, which was 6-5, but I can't remember the last time I re- a playoff game going to triple overtime. How about that? Oh, it, it was an instant classic. And like you said, uh, just even jumping out, uh, out like you said, 6-5. Like, I, I mean, these are two teams that have a lot of offensive firepower, but, you know, when it comes to the postseason, things are, are a little bit, tightly checked uh, the refs start to put the whistles away and this is really where the big boy lacrosse comes out to play and uh, a triple overtime thriller uh luke pilcher uh, a guy that's a young budding up-and-coming star a guy that played junior b lacrosse last year uh scores the game winner uh just did a huge huge victory for the chiefs who i think uh, you know, if St. Catharines comes out with a win there, I think that they almost walk to yeah, the finals. But yeah. now you're tied, yeah. and uh, this is going to be an unreal series. And just just before I, I let Evan jump in here, so people understand, the first overtime, correct me if I'm mistaken here, because I might be wrong with it being Ontario lacrosse, but first overtime is a 10-minute full period of non-sudden death lacrosse. If still tied after that, then it's a full break, and then 20 minutes of sudden victory. Next goal wins. That's double overtime. They made it through that into the next overtime. Like, they went a full 30 minutes without scoring a goal. Yeah, exactly. And that that you're, you're dead on on the rules there, obviously, because we did see Burlington and St. Catharines trade goals uh, in that 10-minute period. One of the goals coming, I think it was with one or two seconds left on the clock in the first oh overtime. Oh, wow. I didn't so know that. It, yeah, it was it was a thriller. Uh, but like you said, uh, and then the second overtime, no scoring. Third overtime, uh, then we see the game winner. So truly uh, an instant classic and something that you already said it. You can't remember. I certainly can't remember the last time I saw not just a junior A game, any sort of game go into triple overtime in summer ball, at least in Ontario. I, I'm scratching my head trying to remember the last time I, I can remember that. Looking at the MSL for a second, not a surprise. Peterborough, Six Nations up on top. They're playing one another this week. Probably a battle for first. The story, though, has got to be the Brampton Bug Juice Excelsiors, who nobody expected, I don't think, this kind of effort out of them. Do they honestly have what it takes to knock off one of the two Giants in the opening round? You know what? It's so tough. And, uh, you know, Jake, you kind of said it. Teams, young teams especially, they kind of need that 
first loss to truly experience what it takes uh, to win. And you look at Six Nations, you look at Peterborough. These are teams that have, you know, established so much. Peterborough, obviously, within the last few years, you know, back-to-back Man Cup champions. Uh, Six Nations just a few years ago winning as well. They have so many champions littered through that roster. Brampton, so young, being led by Jeff Teat, who knows what it takes to win. But at this level, I don't think Brampton has what it takes. But then again, they they put up 18 against Peterborough a couple of weeks ago in overtime. And it's like they don't know any better, bit. Pat. It's like they just don't care yeah. or they don't know any better and they just go out and play. And, and it's a fun brand of lacrosse that those Bug Juice Excelsiors play. Yeah, the the juicers, as I, I've been liking to call them, they, they, they not only have Jeff Teat, Clark Peterson, those guys that are young guys that are you know having tremendous rookie seasons, uh, but for me, what their team is really kind of going under the radar is how good defensively they are and how good they are in transition. Nolan Clayton is putting together a sneaky, sneaky, real solid season in between the pipes. He he just he doesn't really blow you away with any big saves. Nick Rosich, sometimes it looks a little like he's bit. not even moving. Yeah, Nick and- Rosich a little bit, right? Like you yes. know, both oh. both Orangeville guys, and and you wonder about Clayton Pat because he he did get. I think he was drafted by Colorado, didn't catch on. I think he might have had a look uh, at training camp in San Diego as well. And I think the issue for Clayton is maybe figuring out the angles a little bit with the bigger nets in the NLL. And then also when you take that wood stick away from between his legs, that's real important to Nolan Clayton's game. And and maybe he needs to figure out the field stick a little bit before he makes that jump. Yeah, I, I think so. I totally agree with you. He's flashes of Nick Rose, no doubt about that. And you look at Nick Rose, it's hard to argue there's not too many better goalies in summer than Nick Rose because he gets that woody and, and the nets are a little bit smaller. Uh, but yeah, Clayton, I don't know if he's going to ever really be able to translate uh, to the next level. Like like you mentioned, it's just so much tougher. Uh, he He's not quite as athletic as some of these goalies that we've seen to even Nick Rose. I mean, he's a bigger boy, but he has some sneaky athleticism. I don't know if he does, uh, but what he's been able to do uh, so far this summer is pretty remarkable. And, and you sprinkle in some really young, talented defenders, guys like Warren Jeffrey. Uh, McClellan, you know, McClellan, I think has been McClellan, one of the best. Yeah. Oh, he's a guy. And I think I, I, I talked, I talked with, uh, coach Dan Teat before and and I think it was around the same time you guys had your podcast saying how McClelland not only is a guy that can really move the ball up the floor he'll chip in scoring but they've been actually matching him up uh, with some of the other team's best players and he's been rising to the occasion and I think that's allowed guys like Connor Sellers and Adam Wiedemann to kind of maybe not have so much pressure on being those shutdown guys. They've been able to maybe take the secondary guys and that's allowed them to get more involved in the offense and chip in and scoring and not really have to worry about, all right, the only thing you're doing tonight, Connor is, you know, locking down Lyle Thompson. And that's, that's your matchup for the rest of the night. Now they have three or four guys that can kind of rotate in and give, give teams other looks. And I, like I said, obviously you can't take anything away from what Jeff Teed is doing, leading the league in scoring goals, assists. But I do think that this defense and Nolan Clayton is really going under the radar for how successful this team is being. Yeah. We talked about this in the opening the unfortunate incident between Nolan Sound and Six Nations this weekend and Senior B. You take a look at the reaction on social media. You got some guys saying, well, 
this is just part of the game or, you know, this is standing up for what's being said on the floor and others, you know, Sports Illustrated picking it up for, you know, amongst other media outlets. Where do you fall on this issue? Uh, I mean, for me, it's, it's kind of tough because uh, let's be honest, lacrosse, it, it's, it's a tough, it, it's a physical game that has fighting in its place but from from what we saw and obviously we don't know the whole story we were only getting clips of these videos but you can clearly see one team really engaging uh in the fights and it almost looked at some points where the other team had just no interest in in what was going on uh with the brawls and uh, like I said, it, it, you really, I, I can't really comment on the actual, what was going on the floor until we know what exactly was said and what happened. Uh, but from the social media aspect, this is not what lacrosse needs. This is not the, the, the publicity the game needs. Yeah, you know what? There's so much more eyes and I'm not a believer of any publicity is good publicity because we're trying to grow this game. And what if by chance there's a kid that wants to play lacrosse and there that clip goes by and his parents see that and say, there is zero chance you're playing this game because they don't know actually what the game is all about. And maybe they just assume that that's all they see. Pat. Far, far that's better. all the mainstream media sees because this right. is the kind of junk that gets picked up and, and gets cycled through mainstream media because people love violence. Let's not kid ourselves. Nobody left their arena when, when all that stuff broke out. Uh, right. You know, and, and probably nobody was using their seat either. But I guess that's the human nature side of things here, Pat. And we shared our thoughts on, on the whole thing off the top as well. And I guess if you're, if you're going to go in, in the direction of social media, I, and I don't want to disrespect any other media members by any stretch of the imagination, but I think one point of contention that people may have is the media that is probably more American-based, more field lacrosse-based, having an opinion on what is happening inside the boards in Canadian summer lacrosse when really all they see is what they see and they don't really know the history and the culture and the rivalries and the physicalness and the, you know, animosity and and all that sort of stuff that builds up over, well, a century of, of time here. Right. No, you're absolutely right. And you're totally right. And, And it's, it's very unfortunate because as that was going on and all, all these videos were, were coming up, the PLL had just a, 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 an unbelievable event with their all-star game and their skills competition. And, you know, yes, you know, that's fun, happy-go-lucky. And, it, you know, you, you can be a fan of the all-star game or not. But that was a, a perfect opportunity to put the game of lacrosse on the forefront and have these clips of guys having fun showing off their skills. The Paul Rabel around the world passed for that that. And all of that just kind of goes under the radar and the mainstream media, all they care about, you know, is the violence, the barbaric scene that they see with those videos. And that's what ends up going viral instead of the beauty of the actual game that everyone has fallen in love with going on. Right. And it just kind of swept right under the rug. And like you said, obviously violence everyone everyone likes it that's a big reason why lacrosse is a popular or is is people find it a a fun game and they like going to watch it 
but there's there's a controlled violence to the game and uh, what happened in Six Nations. Too much. That's something that you don't want to see. And this is a team this year has already had some some problems. Uh, That's the exact same team that we saw. Unfortunately, the ref, you know. Uh, not even almost getting out of the arena parking lot. And this team has had some issues. And like I said, I don't know what was said on the floor to engage all that stuff. Uh, but from, from the videos and it's just something that the game at this point that is, especially this summer, the, the, the black eyes that it's received already, this was just not what, what the game and uh, what they needed at all. Well said, Pat Gregoire. We haven't had a chance to talk to you since uh, the NLL expansion draft. Maybe give us your few takeaways from the expansion draft and looking forward to about a week from now. What's the few things you're going to be looking forward to when free agency hits? You know what? I I think that uh, Dan Carey and Rochester pulled off a a very masterful game plan. Uh, It sounds like they picked up a a good chunk of the players that they did have targeted. Um, And I know you guys brought it up. Now, I think unless you have a, a bona fide number one overall stud uh, in the entry draft, I think Dan Carey just proved that maybe the expansion draft first overall pick is more important because he was in the driver's seat the whole time and the Riptide were chasing the entire time. And you can look at that roster and it's yes, it's just an expansion dra- draft. It's just a, a small sample size of what the roster is going to look like. Uh, but boy, do the Nighthawks have a serious lead right now? Obviously, like you said, with free agency, both teams are going to have to seriously fill out the rosters. It'll be interesting to see uh, what New York decides to do, if they're going to go with more of an American-based roster because they did take a good chunk of them uh, in the expansion draft, or did they already take their quote-unquote faces of the franchise, the Americans, the local guys, in their expansion draft and they'll fill out the rest that way. For for Rochester, I think now they basically have to build their goal. Or sorry, they're set on goaltenders. Looks like their right-hand side is set. Maybe add a couple of more lefties, and then they, they do kind of have their work cut out with some defenders. But we saw what San Diego did. They did not have the best expansion draft, but they clearly had the best team once their roster was set. We'll it'll be interested to see what Rochester does if they add some more veteran pieces like we saw with San Diego, adding a guy like Dawson Billings, because obviously those pieces were huge for them down the road. But just as a follow-up there, like outside of Rochester and New York, what are those big-name players that you're going to be looking at to see if they move somewhere else this year? I, I do think uh, Ryan Banesh is a, a name that kind of – jumps out at me i I think that a perfect opportunity and a perfect spot would be for him right here in toronto uh they desperately need need lefty scoring that was at times you know their achilles heel of this this team uh obviously they are a perimeter team so Banesh, not a guy that really likes to go to the middle, but he's a guy that can score from the outside. Uh, they lost McArdle, so another lefty that has some scoring. Reed Reinhold, we really don't know if he's going back to BC or if he's going to be staying out here in the East. Uh, I believe he's ready to play. So if he stays, you add Banesh, maybe you get more out of Johnny Paulus. Uh, and a guy like Dan Craig, now your lefties are looking a little bit better. And Adam Jones, obviously. Oh, yeah, that guy. Too. That guy. And that guy, too. Not too bad. Just, you know, one of the best shooters in the, in the world. Yes, uh, indeed. Uh, okay, Pat, here, real quick. Uh, where 
probably going to have you back on before we get to this point. But right now, tell me, and then we'll see if your picks hold true here in a few weeks from now. Who's coming west for the Minto? Who's coming west for the man? All right. So I think we'll start with the man. and I'm going to stick to my guns here. I'm going to say Six Nations. I started that off at the start of the year. I think when they have a full lineup, when they are fully healthy, it looks like doesn't matter who's in between the pipes because Doug Jamison has been awesome this year. Dylan Ward's been huge as well when he's been in the lineup. I think just from top to bottom, when everyone's in the in the lineup and quickly, I will also mention too, there are some rumblings that <laughs> Sean Evans might be out for a long, okay. long time. Yeah, he left injury, He left the so. game in the first period there and, and didn't return. Yeah. It was a little mysterious. Uh, so. keep, keep in mind here, Pat, the quick was uh, – used a couple of times <laughs> as a prompt there as i okay, ask for your there. junior selection i'll be quick same thing i picked them at the start of the year orangeville they're a wagon okay that was quick pat gregoire he's a lacrosse <laughs> superstar he's picking six nations the chiefs and the Hornheads to represent the East in the Minto and the Man. We'll see how it all plays out in the coming weeks. Uh, congrats again on your Ironheads. A fantastic season. Thanks for joining us here, Pat. And we'll catch up sooner than later, I'm sure. Thank you. I'll try to be a little uh, sh- uh, shorter winded next time. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say it. Well, you did. Well, let's remember 44% of people actually thought he wore it better. We got to oh. get that part. Oh, yes. Uh, the vote for the eye block. Yes, we did not. Uh, we didn't even get a chance to mention that. Kylie. I don't know who that forty-four percent was because I didn't even vote for myself. So. <laughs> <laughs> Pat, we gotta go. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, as always, boys. All right, that was Pat Gregoire. He is our uh, Eastern correspondent. Uh, always a fantastic chat with Smoking Pat, Spicy Pat, lacrosse superstar Pat Gregoire. we got to take a break. We're coming back with the fourth quarter. You know what happens in the fourth quarter, Evan? It's Stampede Tax. Who you got? We're back on the other side here on Lacrosse Classified on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. Associated Labels and Packaging is in the business of creating first impressions. They'll help you reflect your company values accurately by offering solutions that fit your product needs. With the latest in printing technology and over 35 years of experience, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit for your company to take your labels and packaging to the next level. Hey, this is Dan Marshall, voice of the Nanaimo Timberman. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified on Lax All-Star, going the game one podcast at a time. All right, welcome back to Lax Class here on the Lacrosse All-Stars Podcast Network. Jake Elliott, Evan Sheminar with you. You just heard it right there from our good friends. I just mentioned him, Sean Ashworth at Associated Labels and Packaging and his Bantam A1 Coquitlam Adnax winning the Provincials over there in Victoria, uh, creating a first impression in Victoria, but also creating a first impression. See what I did there, Evan? Creating a first impression with his business. You need a label. You need a package. These guys are the best in the business. And they always do their work with the environment in mind. They are so progressive in that regard. Check out their latest blog that they got. Uh, they, they talk about it all. It's really interesting stuff. Find them at Associated LP, as in labels and packages. Uh, Associated-labels.com. 
Thanks to them, as always, as we welcome you back here to the fourth quarter. And it's time now, Evan, for Stampede Tax, who you got? And if you recall, well, before we do that, let me tell you that they are your complete source for boots and motorcycle leathers and gear. Summer riding season is here. I was just uh, out for a cruise on the Coquihalla there, Evan, uh, last week. Lots of motorcycles. I'm sure they got their leathers from Stampede Tack and Western Wear. Out there in Cloverdale, stampede.ca. Anything you need for riding, they got it. Um, Who you got, Evan? As you recall, we recorded very early last week on a Sunday, so we weren't sure how games were going to play out uh, in between Sunday and Tuesday. We know that now. And uh, 3-2, and we both went this week. Is that right? Yeah, and four and one the week before. Okay, so overall standings now between us. Yeah, uh, you're thirteen and seven. I'm twelve and eight, and Carly's nine and eleven. Nine? Oh, she made a comeback. She was like six and nine or something like that. Yeah, she's not pulling a challenger anymore. Okay, okay. So she's in, <laughs> she's in the mix. She's in the mix. Um, so. Who gets to host then? Because we both went three and two, but I guess uh, yeah, I'm, I'm still behind. All so. right, all right. Uh, yeah, I get to host it. And we have a late write-in vote here. I, I put the games together, but we're making a change. I don't know why I'm telling people this. They never would have known if I hadn't said anything. But anyways, um, originally I had down Victoria at New West on Thursday. We've now changed that game to Nanaimo at Burnaby on Friday. And we'll tell you why we've changed that game when we get to it. Uh, but let's start where we always do, Evan, in the Rocky Mountain yep. Lacrosse League. Take it away. Here we go. Here we go. Game one of the Rocky Mountain Lacrosse League finals. It's the Raiders. It's the Mountainies. It's the eighth year in a row that they have played for this title. Who you got? Well, these two teams, Evan, have pretty much been trading appearances as well as uh, playoff series here. It was the Raiders who yeah, represented. Yeah, it was the Raiders who represented Alberta in the Minto last year. They finished in first. The Mounties were in because they were the host team, right? Yes. Did they fin? They finished in first, right? The Raiders. Uh, no, the Mounties did. Oh, and this game. So the this, Mounties. Were- yeah, this game's at Stuper Park, then. Correct. Ooh, well, that kind of changed. I was leaning Raiders uh, in game one, but now I'm kind of leaning Mounties here. Uh, I'm going to stick with my gut. I'm going to take the Raiders in game one here. I think they're hot. They're rolling right now, the Raiders. I'm taking the Raiders, too, and the reason being is that the Mounties should have had a very easy time against St. Albert, and they didn't. Mm. They lost the opener. Um, games two and four were lopsided, but game, game three was tight most of the way. I'm not really certain, you know, that they just got it together. So I'm going with the Raiders, too. Um, off to the OLA. Now, we talked about this one with Smoke and Patty. So game three is happening. Tonight. We're saving on a Monday. It's happening tonight. Right. This is game four. So we don't know. We won't know who is has the 2-1 series lead here. Correct, but it is tied 1-1. Burlington and St. Kitts, this one was the triple overtime game in game two, which Burlington used to tie the series. So it's game four. Who you got? This game will be happening in St. Catharines or in Burlington here? Let me look. I believe it's in. Uh, I'm not entirely sure. 
Let me look. Wednesday, July 24th. This is in St. Catharines. Jack Gatecliff Arena there in St. Kitts. Um, okay. I'm taking the home team here strictly for the fact that they're the home team. I don't know who's winning game three. It could go either way. These teams went to triple overtime. They're that evenly matched. So the only reason I'm taking St. Catharines here is because they're the home team. Yeah, in, in the OLA this year, the home team has had a massive advantage. And St. Catharines hasn't let me down both times I've picked them so far. So I'm sticking with them okay. for this one. Uh, that's a clean uh, sweep be- there for St. Kitts. Carly's got the yeah. athletics too. Yeah, now, this is your nightmare right now. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I got a number of interesting four-letter words on the group chat last night. Nanaimo is going to Coquitlam. This is game five, series high 2-2. And could the dynasty of Coquitlam be knocked out before the BC Junior Final? Because remember, both teams in the final get to go to the Minto. Yeah. We got uh, two teams. Two, I, and the other series between Victoria and U.S. now tied at two as well. Um, we picked that one last week, so that's why I flipped back to this series this week. I did not expect this Game 5 for for us to be picking in a 2-2 series tie here, but the more I watch Nanaimo, the more legit I really think they are. Their goaltender, Getty, has been a brick wall uh, for Nanaimo in their two wins. Coquitlam does have a convincing 15-7 victory in that series, but the other... Three games have been very closely contested, 7-5, 10 well, nine, uh, and 10-5. I guess that, that game four wasn't Yeah, that all... one was not because it was lopsided the whole Yeah, it was 9-2. Yeah, it was 9-2 at one point. So you're right. Yeah, thanks for calling me out on that. Um, again, to be the man, you got to beat the man here. Best of three now, two wins away from the Minto Cup. Coquitlam's got home floor advantage. I know Nanaimo has beat Coquitlam more than Coquitlam has beaten Nanaimo this season, which is a little mind-boggling. I didn't think I would ever say something like that, but I'm not ready to give up on the decade of dominance quite yet. So give me my junior Adnax, Evan, like I was ever going to pick Nanaimo. Yeah, like uh, that's what I was going to say, like you're ever going to pick against them. I am. Doug. I think I think the Nimo's just hungrier for this one. And like you said, season series between these two, Nanaimo is way ahead in this one. Give me the team man. Mm. So yeah, I know. You're <laughs> you're gonna well, scream at that one. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, now we go yeah. Tuesday night. So Tonight, when this thing gets released, MSL playoffs, this is the battle for first, to be realistic. Peterborough at Six Nations. Who you got? These two teams actually play each other twice this week. But I wanted to take Peterborough at Six Nations. I wanted the Lakers at Six Nations. So I can take Six Nations here. Because I don't think Six Nations is winning in Peterborough. I think Six Nations is going to win at home, and it's a huge game here for, like you said, first place is probably going to be determined this week. So Pat Gregoire, who we're going to have on here a little later, he picked them at the beginning of the year to represent the East in the Man Cup. We'll see if he sticks with that prediction. But as far as this game goes, I'm going to go with Pat Gregoire and take the Chiefs to beat the Lakers. I'm taking the Chiefs too. Peterborough's just too inconsistent this year, and – if Sean Evans is gone, 
it's hurting their chances quite a bit. Now, of course, Peterborough has the crazy goaltending tandem there, but I'm still taking Six Nations at home. Now, there's a reason we changed the WLA game, and we'll get into the whole tie-break scenarios and what everything's happening, but the Friday night game between Nanaimo and Burnaby, in Burnaby, this could be a win-or-go-home game. If New West wins both their games ahead of this one, the winner's in, the loser's out. Who you got? Oh, man. I'm calling this game on Friday night, Evan. And we had Dan Marshall on last week on the podcast here, and, and we, we talked about it. Dan's the voice of the Timberman, and we, we talked. We said it could literally come down to Friday night between the team and, and the Lakers for who's in and who's out, and it very well might. Now, New West has a tough road here, Evan. They they get Langley on Wednesday, which is not exactly a you know walk, but it's an easier game for New West. They should get that one. If they don't, they don't deserve to make the playoffs. Let me say that. Uh, but then the next night, off of no rest, they turn around, they go home, and the Victoria Shamrocks come to town. And the Shamrocks now are really rolling. They've won, I think, 11 out of their last 12 games. I don't know what the Shamrocks really have to play for. You can explain that part of it. But I think it's going to come down, like you said, to Nanaimo at Burnaby for who gets in and who goes out. Again, I've stuck with it the entire way here. Give me the home team in this one. Burnaby, I'm taking the Lakers at the Swamp in a one-game showdown against the Timberman. Here's the tough part to this one, and that is if Victoria beats New West the night before, Burnaby's already in. The nine was not. So that wow. makes it a little more difficult to pick. But Burnaby still has something to play for because even if that happens... They'll be able to determine who they play in the playoffs. Correct. And they want to avoid the Shamrocks right now in the opening round. So right. they want to get third place. That's the reason I take the Lakers. Um, it This game means a lot more to Nanaimo because they don't have a lot of the tie breaks working their way. But I just think that the Lakers are the better team at the moment. Well, it's going to be nuts, man. I <laughs> The week gets going tonight, Tuesday. You got a game a night, essentially, through to Saturday. And then the regular season is over. And it's playoff time. And we still don't know who's going to finish in first. We still don't know who's going to finish in fifth. And who finishes where in between. It is been one of the craziest WLA seasons I've ever been a part of in my 20 years of calling games and 10 years of being a player. And I've never seen it like this. Never. Well, I know everybody was trying to waiting for me to get to my hotel last night so I could figure this all out. Yeah. Actually, it only took me about an hour because there's 32 scenarios you have to figure out and then just try to eliminate it so that it's something within – that you can explain relatively easy. It's actually not as difficult as you might think. It's not as bad as the NLL East was a year ago, but, you know, Burnaby went and retweeted our Lax All-Star Suite this morning and said, we can finish second, we can finish fifth. Yeah. <laughs> and, there, and every possibility in between. Yeah. And the, and that's right. It's wild, man. So should I go through all these nasty scenarios well, that's going on? Well, I, I, like, I don't know. I don't think we need to, to be quite quite honest with you. I think just 
sit back and watch how it all plays out in the coming days here. It's going to be bonkers to watch. And again, I think it all comes down to Friday night. And, and we'll know by then what New West has done up until that point because they play on Wednesday and Thursday. So we'll know exactly what Friday means. The Saturday game is Victoria at Coquitlam, and I think you can probably do the math in that one. The Shamrocks are going to win that game. I'm pretty pretty confident in calling that one, Evan. Right. Um, so, you know, it's, it's the three games leading up. You would think Maple Ridge gets past Langley on their home floor on Tuesday. You would think New West beats Langley on Wednesday. Uh, and then but Victoria just lost to him. Not too yeah, long it's ago. true. It's true. I mean, I'm not. So, and, and, and you, you never know. You never know, and that's no. why it's going to be real fun well, to watch. I'll, I'll, I'll make it as simple as I can. Victoria wins either game, or Maple Ridge wins their first. That's that's really as simple as it is. Maple Ridge is in. It's a question of are they first, second, or third? Unlikely they're going to be first because they would need Victoria to lose twice. Um, most likely second, but there's a possibility to slip to third if they lose and Burnaby wins. So it's Nanaimo that's got the problem. As much as they're in third, they don't have the tie break on anybody except Burnaby, and they can't be in a tie with Burnaby unless the game ends in a tie. So they need to win, or they need New West to lose twice. And one of those games is against Langley. That's probably not going to happen. That's why this is a winner go home, probably for Nanaimo. Burnaby, like I said, could finish as far as second and as far as fifth. Now, for them to be out, they would have to lose and New West win twice. So, a good chance they're in, but there's still possibilities for New West. <laughs> they either have to, if they win twice, you know, if New West wins twice, yeah. they're in. Yeah. If they win once, they need Burnaby to beat Nanaimo or they're done. And you, once again, we get back to this forfeited game if that forfeited <laughs> game doesn't happen new west is already in the playoffs. oh my and, goodness and nanaimo is fighting for its life on friday oh night. my goodness i mean if new west misses the playoffs on that two-point forfeit for playing an illegal player wow that is that is going to be just devastating for the bellies if that happens uh and it could it very well could. Evan, uh, we're, we're running long here, as usual. Thanks for hanging with us on Lacrosse Classified. Uh, we got to get news and notes in before we let you go, though. So a few more minutes here on Lax Class. Uh, our, our weekly Emily Gloss update um, still in a coma, but movement and a lot of positive signs from uh, from her last update. Starting to move her left side quite a bit. Um, her right side is coming around. Uh, today, actually, Monday here, we're recording at 12 p.m. It was a collective, almost a worldwide effort to visualize Emily doing something that she loved to do, whether it was yoga or playing soccer or lacrosse or hiking with her dad. Um, so everybody at, at 12 o'clock did a collective uh, positive thought for Emily, and I know they're super hopeful that she is slowly getting better, and, and they've sat her up uh, for a couple hours a day now as well, and, and they just keep progressing slowly, keep thinking positive thoughts, and um, keep fighting, Emily. I know you're going to open your eyes sooner than later. Uh, so there's your Emily Goss update. Clem Durazio is uh, going through a bit of a tough time. The assistant coach for the Black Wolves. Uh, he's holding the golf tournament on August the 17th. Uh, it's the first annual one for at-sick kids. 
Uh, if you want some more information on that, follow Clem Durazio at Coach underscore Clem. He's got all the information on his Twitter feed there, and uh, it's a great cause. I strongly suggest you support that effort if you can, if you're back east there. We went through the playoff updates. Uh, Orangeville is up 2 nothing on Brampton. That's the one series we didn't really talk about. Uh, the 2-1s here in BC are tied at 2. They're about to start the final in Alberta. And the two regular seasons in the MSL and WA are starting to wind down. Team Canada rosters, Evan, re- literally got released right after we finished recording, which is almost like a weekly occurrence uh, for us. We always get yeah. breaking news right after we're done. But um, surprises, not surprises, uh, what you think of Team Canada's roster? It looks pretty good to me. Yeah, uh, nothing massively surprising, uh, like the inclusion of Jake Withers, while well, they're going to need him to face Baptiste and when they're playing the Americans. Anyways, um, this is the year that Iroquois could beat them. I, I honestly say that it is the year that it could happen. They got a good team. They got a real good team, and, and so does Canada. A lot of Western flavor. Congrats to all the boys who made it. I know uh, – First-timers like Robbie Church and, and Dane Doby are ultra-pump and McIntosh on that team. The offense, I, I think, is is pretty stacked. You got uh, Dixon, McIntosh, Dane Smith, Robert Church on the right side, Shane Jackson, Mark Matthews, Dane Doby, and maybe the the surprise of it all, and only because, Evan, he hurt himself in, in the end of the NLL season, then re-injured himself early in the WLA season, Eli McLaughlin has only played a couple of games so far here in the summer, but named to Team Canada as their fourth lefty. Right, but they can replace that if necessary up until the date the tournament starts. Yeah, so, I mean, you think of some guys that were left off maybe up front on that left side. I think Jeff Teat comes to mind. I think uh, Adam Jones comes to mind. But Adam Jones got work issues. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, I think there was definitely a focus on having a Western – kind of flavor to this roster and team Canada can afford to do that. Like, let's not get ourselves. These are still really, really good players uh, that would have legitimately had a chance to make the team no matter where the tournament was being played. But I think the fact that it's in the backyard here in the lower mainland might've influenced a couple of picks, uh, goaltenders, Ward, Del Bianco, Vince couldn't make it. Mike Poulin, will be the third man, but you would expect it's Dylan Ward's net and probably Del Bianco backing up. Maybe well, not. They got, games to, they, they got games to play with because they're, they're going to be facing... This is the unfortunate thing about the box world silts. If there's a number of games, they're going to be 20 to th- or 30 to nothing. Yeah. So they, they, got, they got the ability to get guys in there, get them some time. They're going to be doing some passing drills in a few of these games. So yeah, guys are going to get floor time. It realistically comes down to who's playing against the Iroquois in two games. There you go. Um, congrats to everybody that made Team Canada. Much deserved, and, and congratulations. Uh, we briefly touched on the racial slur. In Victoria at the Junior A game, uh, assistant coach uh, Ray Hodgkinson uh, saying he heard a lady in the stands direct a racial slur to a player on the Junior Shamrocks, and – he expects some action to be taken by the league. I don't know exactly what was said or what, what happened. I, I I think we focused on enough negative here on this show, Evan. I just be better, be better people. Like it's, I can't believe we're still in a time when people feel like it's okay 
to just throw out racial slurs at a sporting event. Like, what the hell are you thinking? Uh, no, and right now you could actually get arrested for it. Uh, and they should. And they should. Like, enough is enough. Free agent signings, Evan. There's been a few. Uh, Saskatchewan giving up the 10th overall pick to reacquire Jeff Cornwall in a trade. Uh, some free agent signings. Jeff Dirt Shatler cheap. re-upping <laughs> for two years. What else you got? No, I mean, the Cornwall trade, um, I was expecting the rush having to give up a lot more than that, but they still have three first-rounders in their pocket. Let's be honest. Let's expect Derek Keenan to trade at least one of them, mm-hmm. but he's not trading away four. He's made that blatantly clear. He's not trading away four, especially with Ryland Reese could be available for That's a guaranteed pick for the rush. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll see how it plays out. Uh, free agency right around the corner. I think we'll have one more episode before we get to that juncture. And we'll figure out uh, who we want to have on the program next week as well. A huge thank you to Pat Gregoire and to Kylie Olmiller for coming on the program. To our fabulous sponsors, of course, and Pure Vital Labs, Associated Labels and Packaging, and Stampede Tack and Western Wear. And you, as always, the loyal listener for checking out Lacrosse Classified every single week right here on Lacrosse All-Stars. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast, all your podcast platforms, wherever you find your podcast. You can find Lacrosse Classified. Then hit that subscribe button and all your troubles will be solved. You can follow us on social media at Shemlax. I am at PXP for sports. The show is at Lax Class. And now we are done. For Evan Schemenauer, I've been Jake Kelly, and for the fastest game on two feet, and for the creator, thanks for listening to Lacrosse Classified on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network.